So my name is Helga Edwards, and it's my privilege to be here today. And the topic for today is forgiveness. And I would like to say a prayer before we start. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your incredible forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to receive your forgiveness, that you would help us to forgive one another, and that you would help us to forgive ourselves. And Lord, please speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So God has a lot to say about forgiveness in the Bible. And we live in a world where we all make mistakes and we all make wrong choices. So forgiveness is necessary in order to live with each other and to live with ourselves. So first of all, we need to understand that God is a very forgiving person. God sent his beloved son Jesus and Jesus chose to come to earth to die on the cross so that he could offer forgiveness to the world. In Colossians 2.13, it says, God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our sins. And sins are wrong and hurtful choices that we make. In Micah 7.18, it says, Who is a God like you who pardons sins? Psalm 130 verse 4 says, If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you. And 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. So God is a very forgiving person, and God says that he wants us to be forgiving people. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with one another and forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32 says, Do not bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit of God. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God forgave you through Christ Jesus. Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, encourages us to pray this way. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And in Matthew 6.14, Jesus says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So forgiveness is really, really important. But what exactly is forgiveness? But let's first talk about what forgiveness is not. Okay? Forgiveness does not mean that it's okay that others have hurt you. Forgiveness does not mean that you must forget what was done to you. God says that when he forgives, he chooses to forget. But God never says that we have to forget. And forgiveness does not mean that you must trust people who have broken your trust. You can have protective boundaries with abusive people even after you've forgiven them. And you can even seek justice through the law if they are not repentant. But even if they are repentant, it can take 
a long time for trust to be rebuilt after it's been broken. And forgiveness also does not mean that you should not feel any pain or anger about what happened. And let's just review some of what the Bible says about pain and anger. Okay, Psalm 62 verse 8 says, Pour out your hearts before God. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 to 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And if you remember from Bob's message last time, David in the Psalms and the prophets and Jesus, there's so much in the Bible where they express their pain and their anger to God. In Romans 12, verse 15, it says, Weep with those who weep. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 4 says, There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. God has feelings, and we're made in God's image. Jesus was sad. In John 11, verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. And that's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And we think of Jesus in the garden. He poured out his anguish, his grief, his sorrow, his stress, and his pain to his Father. He experienced all those feelings. Isaiah 53, verse 5 says, Jesus is a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Jesus was also angry. In Mark 3, verse 1 to 5, Jesus was angry at the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, for, for oppressing the people. Jesus was angry in John 2, verse 13 to 14. He was angry when, when they were stealing from people in the temple. And in Mark 10, verse 13 to 16, Jesus was angry. And in fact, the word is he was indignant when they tried to keep the children from him. The children wanted to come to him. The disciples said, no, no, no it doesn't have time for you. And Jesus was indignant. He said, let the children come to me. So having pain, sorrow, weeping, and feeling angry, having angry feelings, that's not unchristian. It's not unchristian. There is a righteous anger, and there is an anger connected to abuse, okay? So people, a lot of Christians get confused about anger. In Psalm verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Be angry and do not sin. So we can have our angry feelings, but we're not supposed to hurt ourselves or others when we have them. And the Bible is a balanced book, and it says, Be slow to anger. And it says, do do not let the sun go down on your anger. So it is important that we learn to deal with our anger. And we don't want to hold on to it um, and so it turns into bitterness. There's a a verse that confuses many people, Matthew uh, 5, verse 22. And uh, Jesus says, basically, if you're angry without your, if you're angry at your brother without cause, it is as the sin of murder. <clears throat> so some people read that and they think, oh, I can never get angry at anyone, and then they bury that anger. And as I've, I talked about the first um, Sunday of this month, some depression is call, is caused by something called frozen rage when people push their anger down and they feel like they shouldn't feel angry, and they push it down and they ignore it. It turns against them, and it can it can cause depression. So a lot some people read this verse and they think, oh, you know, I I can't feel this. I need to push it away, but. We need to understand this verse. It says, if you're angry at your brother without cause. 
and and the the key phrase is without cause and and to me this is this is something like bullying where somebody there, there's somebody who's innocent who hasn't done anything um, against the person but they they direct their anger at them and as we all know bullying is as the sin of murder it destroys people and so what do we do with our anger? It's okay to feel angry. God feels angry sometimes too. It's okay to feel pain. So what do we do with these feelings? We need to face them, not bury them or run away from them. We need to label them. God, I'm angry about this. And God, I'm really sad and in pain about this. And then we need to release it to God. So we want to face it, label it, and release it to God, and that's the process. Um, as a counselor, sometimes when people are really depressed or whatever they're struggling with, I, I encourage them to make a list of people that they're angry with and to ask God, show me, God, who am I angry with, and to make a list. Um, and then to face that pain and that anger and to release it to God. And sometimes people feel angry with God because they have questions about things. And God is okay if we bring those questions to him. It's okay to bring those questions to him. We're, we're not to accuse God of evil, um, but we can say, God, I feel angry and I'm confused about this and I don't understand it and I need your help. So, so as I was saying... Forgiveness does not mean that you should not feel any pain or anger about what happened. Okay. So what is forgiveness? Well, the root of the word forgiveness means to let go. It is important that we let go of seeking revenge, both in our hearts and in our behavior. We need to let God be the ultimate judge. Only God knows people's hearts and circumstances, and only God knows if a person needs his mercy, his justice, or a combination of the two. If a person is abusive and is not sorry and is not willing to change their behavior, God says that one day God will take vengeance for us. In Romans 12, verse 19, says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And again, some people get confused because it talks all about his grace, his mercy, but then it talks about his vengeance. But if people are not repentant and they're abusive and they're not willing to change, God will take vengeance for us. See, we can judge behavior. We can say lying is wrong, stealing is wrong. We can judge behavior, but we can never judge a person's heart or motives. John 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge according to appearance. And in Matthew 7, verse 1 to 2, it says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And James 2, verse 13 says, Judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. So when someone does something wrong, do you tend to judge only their behavior as wrong, or do you judge their heart and their motives as well? Do you show mercy to people, even though they may be doing wrong things? Do you leave judgment of the person to God? These are good questions to ask ourselves. To let go of the bitterness that can consume us, it can be helpful to say, I'm not their judge, 
Only God is judge. I believe what they're doing is wrong, and I can have protective boundaries with them if I need to, but only God knows their heart and their set of circumstances. Only God knows what they've been through, what their struggles are, and even if they're feeling out of control with their behavior. Only God knows. If someone's just making a choice and saying, I don't care about people, and I'm going to do this, and it's fun to feel powerful. Or if they're like, God, I don't want to do this. God, help me. I don't know how to change. Do you see that? Only God knows the heart. We can't judge the heart, even though we can say, that behavior's wrong. You know, lying is wrong, stealing is wrong. So the other thing is, another important thing to remember around forgiveness is that we do need relationships with people, okay? But if we're looking to people for that perfect love that only God can give, then it will be very difficult to forgive them when they let us down, right? Because none of us are perfect. It can be next to impossible to let go of others if deep down we're looking to get something from them that only God can give to us. Often we look to others for perfect love, acceptance, approval, and belonging. If we then feel criticized, rejected, or unloved, it can lead to a lot of resentment and we can become demanding or depressed. So many people find it helpful to look to God for the perfect love that only God can give. Then it's a little easier to let go of others emotionally and allow them to be human and imperfect. The Bible says in Joshua 22 verse 9 to cling to God. When we choose to let go of someone, we do need to hold on to or cling to someone else because we all have attachment needs. We can't just not you know, hold on to someone. We need God and we need people. If we choose to kind of let go of someone who we've been clinging to in a way that uh, we, we need to cling to God, we need to cling to somebody else. And so we can go to God. That perfect love, go to God's perfect love that will never leave us and the acceptance, approval, and belonging that we all long for. It can be helpful, I find anyway, to speak to my soul, to speak to our souls. In, in the Psalms, um, that the psalmist often pours out uh, his heart to God, and then he speaks to his heart and his soul and says, you know, cling to God, cling to God. And so we could say, oh my soul, let go of looking to people or anything on this earth for perfect love and perfect comfort. Look away from the things of this world and look into the loving eyes of our perfect God. And there you will find your heart's desire and freedom. So again, we need relationships with people, but we don't want people to be in the God spot in our hearts. Sometimes we put, you know, often our spouse is in that spot or boyfriend or girlfriend. Sometimes our children are in that spot. Um, It's not a good thing to have people or things in the God spot in our hearts. Um, It it will only make it next to impossible to forgive people um, when they're imperfect because whatever is in that God spot in our hearts needs perfect love and so will not be able to deal with imperfections. So it's a good thing to say, God, I choose to take my spouse 
or whoever it is out of that God spot, my parents, my spouse, my kids, my friend, I, I choose to take that person out of that place. I've been clinging to them and demanding that they're perfect and I can't take it when, when they let me down. And so I choose to take them out of that God spot and I say, God, you be in there because only you can give me that perfect love. Then they can be in the people spot <laughs> and they can, and of course we can ask them to change things that need to be changed, but we can then allow them to be human and, and imperfect. And it's important that we're not in the God spot of other people's hearts trying to be perfect all the time. We can't. Only God can be that perfect parent, that perfect friend that perfect love so it helps to forgive if we don't have people in that god spot and if we don't put ourselves in that place for other people so it's also important to understand that forgiveness is both a choice and a process it's both it's a choice not based on feelings and I, I find this prayer helpful. Dear Jesus, I choose to let go of this person. I choose to release that person from my judgment, and I place that person into your hands to deal with. Okay? And you can also use this prayer to forgive yourself, right? Dear God, I choose to forgive myself. I choose to let go of myself. I release myself from my own judgment, and I place myself into your hands to deal with. And often we're too hard on ourselves when we make a mistake, and we find that God is more merciful <laughs> towards us than we are with ourselves. And, and there's a, this prayer, and I have other prayers and, and little exercises on a, um, a handout that I gave to Pastor James. So if anybody wants that, you can just ask him for a copy of that. Now, it can take a while for our emotions to catch up with our choice. But our choice to forgive can begin the process of healing and release. And it's truly just a choice. It's to say, you know, yes, God, I choose forgiveness. I don't know how to do it, but I choose it. And just saying that and saying a prayer like, I choose to let go, I choose to release, I choose to not judge, but let you be the judge. Just doing that begins the process, and God will take you down that road and help you. Now, it's important to understand that we often need to experience our pain and anger before we can let these emotions go. And the process of forgiveness, I find, is much like the process of grief. And, you know, really, both of them are quite connected often. And like with grief, there's often denial at first. You know what? Oh, it's not so bad. I, I just won't think about it. You know, I'm just not, I just don't want to think about it. Just push it away. So sometimes there's denial at first. Then there's often a lot of anger about what happened, you know, um, a sense of powerlessness, a sense of I didn't have control that they did this to me. I'm so angry, right? And then there's often many questions, questions such as, why, God, why? And, and, and the what ifs, what if, you know? What if I had done things differently? And the if onlys, if only the circumstances were different. And sometimes we're in that stage for quite a, quite a bit of time, you know? It's called the bargaining stage, and it's the whys and the what ifs and the if onlys. There's often a lot of false guilt there. Um, so there's often time spent around anger where we 
pour it out to God, we release it to him. It can take a long time, um, depending on what happened. And then there's the question stage. Then there's often a deep sadness, a deep sadness before we can let go of the person and our pain and truly let them go emotionally. So we choose to let them go, and then it takes a while to work through those feelings. Now, this process is often quite difficult, but we can cast our cares on God who gives us strength and comfort, and we can also reach out to others for support. Um, When we're working through forgiveness and grief, it's very helpful just to have someone listen, right? Um, and, And to pray for you. And it can also be helpful to write an unsent letter. So you don't send the letter, but you write an unsent letter to work through the process of forgiveness. And you can write to those who have hurt you, expressing your thoughts and feelings about what was done. You can then destroy the letter. And and the destruction of the letter can be symbolic of release and letting go. Some people, you know, they'll do it on the computer. They'll type out, you know, I'm so angry. I can't believe you said this about me. And, and I'm so hurt. And, you know, why would you do this? And, and, and they type it out. And then they press the delete button as a way of releasing it to God. Right? I release the person, my feelings. Now, research shows for some reason that writing is, is a better way of, of processing your feelings than the computer. But I know lots of people who do it on the computer as well. I encourage people when they do this type of work because it's so intense to have a Kleenex box on hand and a pillow <laughs> and, <clears throat> and some space, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so you can allow yourself to cry and, and the pillow can get all the anger so you don't have to worry about your anger. You can punch that pillow, you can scream into that pillow and, and so your anger can be expressed in healthy ways. Um, and the other thing, you know, sometimes we hold on to anger in, in a way of protecting ourselves, right? I mean, we do that naturally as humans when we're hurt. We're often, we have anger. We think, I need this anger to protect myself. But God wants us to give the anger to him and then learn healthy boundaries, being able to say no to people getting space from people who don't treat us well, and asking God for wisdom. Lord, give me wisdom in how to deal with this. So instead of using anger to protect me, God, give me your wisdom. Show me when to say yes, when to say no, or what kind of boundaries I need here. We want to replace anger with wisdom and boundaries. So sometimes we need to ask the person to say sorry to change their behavior. And some people also find it helpful to picture putting the person, their pain and anger into God's hands. So it's kind of like, God, I choose to let go of this person and I put the person into your hands to deal with. God, I choose to let go of my anger and I put it into your hands. I choose to let go of my pain into your loving hands. I'm letting it go. I'm giving it over. And sometimes you might find you have to do that a lot. If you have a day where there's a lot of reminders about whatever happened, there can be a lot of pain and anger. And it's going through your mind and and you don't want to torment. Lord, here, you know, I'm angry and I put it into your hands. And I put that person into your hands. No, I'm not going to think about how I'm going to get back. No, I let let it go. I give it to you. You are the judge. So it it can be helpful to picture that. Take it away. And then we take it back. And then we have to give it back. And then we take it back. And then we have to give it back. It can be quite a process. Um, 
but God is patient with us and he understands. And so I said, forgiveness does not mean that you no longer feel pain and anger. Now, there is that grief and forgiveness process and there, it can take a long time depending on what happened, but we get to the acceptance place, right? As we give it over to God, we get to the place where, hey, I've let that go, it's not bothering me as much anymore. It's not bothering me and I feel free and that's wonderful. But then there's something called triggers and triggers can be so many things. Something you see, something you hear, something somebody says. It can even be the weather or the the time of year. But something reminds you and it hits you emotionally. It reminds you about what happened. And then all of a sudden you feel the pain and anger again. And some people think, I thought I forgave. I guess I didn't. But that's not true. Um, it's just that there's been a trigger and that's brought up some of the memories and that's normal and people need to know that. So then we kind of go through some of the grief again, but it can be very quick. It can be even just a sentence where you say, oh Lord, I'm remembering what happened now. I'm still, you know, I just feel angry when I think about it and I still wonder why and what if circumstances were different and I'm really sad about it, but you know, I, I just, I choose to let it go and give it to you. So after you've done the hard work of forgiveness, it, it, and then you're triggered, it can bring up that pain again. But then we can just, just pour that out to God, give it to him, and go on. And that's a normal part of this. The other thing, when we're working through forgiveness and the grief process that goes along with it often, um, it's really important that we have support of others, um, depending on how deep the pain is, And that we balance the emotional work with healthy distraction, okay? So you might say, okay, instead of distracting myself all the time and ever looking at my pain, I'm going to schedule in three times a week, 20 minutes with my pen and my journal. I'm going to write to God about my feelings. But then after that 20 minutes, I'm going to shut the journal and I'm going to go do something healthy and distracting where my mind is off it. It's really important to balance the work, otherwise it can become too heavy. So I might go watch a TV show, read a book, go for a walk, whatever you like to do, go for a run, garden, bake, something that you enjoy, do crafts, whatever it is, play with the kids or you know the dog. But whatever it is, um, it's important that you find a balance. So we don't want to be where we're, we stay distracted and we never face our pain, right, or our feelings. We're ignoring a whole part of our inner person then, right? But, um, but we don't want to be where we're always looking at this pain and anger and not having a balance. So try to schedule in that balance and ask God for wisdom with that. So we need to understand that there's a difference between our feelings and our thoughts, God says to pour out our hearts to him, but we are to forsake judgmental, critical thoughts of ourselves and others. We can tell God how we feel. God, I feel sad and angry. I feel scared and I feel sorry about this. But we need to refuse to put ourselves or others down with personal criticism. Otherwise, bitterness and resentment can take hold of us and it will hurt us and it will hurt others. So remember, Jesus understands, and he's always there to listen as you pour out your hearts before him. He himself was betrayed and abused. He understands pain. In Isaiah 53, 
It says Jesus was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. It says Jesus was smitten, stricken, afflicted, wounded, bruised, and oppressed. Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. So I encourage you to take the time to cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. And I want to say some words. So I'm talking about forgiving each other, right? Forgiving ourselves. But I want to talk a little bit uh, about God's forgiveness. And what a wonderful service, the worship about forgiveness, the communion. The, it was just lovely. And the power of God's forgiveness. You know, we've all made mistakes. We've all made wrong choices. And we all have real guilt. But it is God's pleasure to forgive us when we come to him with repentant hearts. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So if something's put as far as east is from west, where is it? East from west, where, where is that? It's gone, right? Like that's beyond. <laughs> Um, Isaiah 1.18, God, uh, God says, Come and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be as wool. And God is saying here, he removes the stain of our true guilt. So if, if there's stain in your clothing and you wash it out, Where's the stain? Can you find it? It's gone, right? It's gone. He removes the stain. You can't find it anymore. It's gone. John 1 verse 29, John the Baptist says of Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So if I have something and somebody takes it away, where is it? Gone. Gone, exactly. East, and there's so many other Bible verses too. But as far as east is from west, removes the stain, washes it away, takes it away. It's God's pleasure to take it away. And Jesus was in anguish in the garden before the crucifixion. He said to his father, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. But then he chose to obey, just like Moses and Joshua from the message last week. So even though they were afraid and overwhelmed, they chose to obey. And I think you can see the theme in the messages of this month. Don't despise your feelings. Don't ignore them. Don't hide them from God. Pour them out to him. But don't let these feelings necessarily control your behavior or your decisions, right? We can say, like Moses, like Joshua, and like Jesus, God... What you're calling me to do here is really hard, and a part of me doesn't want to do this, and it feels overwhelming. It feels like it's too much for me. But then we can cling to Jesus. We can cling to God and say, but not my will, but yours be done. And then God can give us his supernatural strength and power to do what he's called us to do. 
Do you see the process? We tell them how hard this is. We're honest about our feelings, but we don't let the feelings control us. We cling to God. We make a choice. Not my will, but yours be done. And I might not know how to do this at all, and I sure can't do it by myself. But then he gives us the strength. Jesus did go to the cross willingly. He did make a clear choice despite his emotions at the time. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. So why did Jesus do this? Why was he, he chose to be tortured and killed and betrayed uh, he chose to allow that to happen. He made a choice. Why did he do that? He did it because he loves us. He did it so that we could be forgiven and so that, we, so that he could be with us forever in heaven. That's why he did it. He wants to be with us forever. And so what does that say about our value as human beings? How loved and cherished are we to God? You know, every one of us, we are all wanted and we are all loved by God. And we can bring all of our guilt, all of it, to God, knowing that we are always loved, valuable, precious, and priceless to God, and nothing can change that. We don't have to hide anything from God, not any feelings, not any temptations. And temptations, by the way, are not sin, right? Automatic feelings aren't wrong. Even automatic thoughts that pop into your head aren't wrong. You can make a choice to focus on them or not, but the automatic thoughts aren't sin. And temptation isn't sin. Jesus was tempted to. A lot of people feel guilty for those things, but there's no guilt with that. The guilt is around what we choose to do, what we choose to say, and what thoughts we consciously choose to focus on. There can be real guilt about that, but we can bring all of that to God. All of that to God. We don't have to hide anything. He loves us and nothing can change that. So Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your incredible love, your incredible forgiveness, how you love us, how you want us, how you long for us. And it gives you joy when we bring, when we bring even our darkest secrets to you, God. You already know about them and you already love us. And you say, even while we were ungodly, without strength, and even while we were your enemies, you loved us so much that you went to the cross. God, help everyone here to know, all of us to know, that no matter, no matter what we've done or haven't done, your love never changes. Our value stays the same. Just like when the prodigal left left and, and did things he knew he was wrong, that he knew were wrong, your love never changed and you it was your joy to forgive him and to receive him back and so lord i just pray for everyone here that they that if there's anything hidden deep down shame or um anger if there's any thing that they've been in denial about i'm going to pretend i never did that i'm going to pretend that didn't happen there's any double lives you know I'm this person here but this person there and I can't bring that to God Lord I just pray that your Holy Spirit 
would help people to bring everything to you. There's nothing we can't bring to you. Absolutely nothing. Your forgiveness is there. Your power is there. And, and just like when the prodigal came home, the father did not demand that he, you know, confess all his sins. And, and, and the father wasn't demanding and angry. The father just received him back with joy. And so, Lord, if there's any parts of us that have been hiding from you, Lord, help us to say, yes, God, I choose to bring that to you. Even though it's painful, I choose to cling to you, knowing you're the good shepherd, and you always value me no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if anyone would like prayer, uh, Bob and I would be very happy to pray for you. Thank you so much, and God bless you.